Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Hey, anyone know what this torturous looking device is? Some of the older generation may know, because my, my grandmother had one of these. I always used to play with it as a kid. I think I broke it as a kid. Anyone know for one of the pastor's limited edition collectible gold stars? What is that we're looking at, Annie? Make shoes bigger, yes, otherwise known as for an extra bonus point, a shoe stretcher. Shoe stretcher or a shoe horn is another one that I've heard. I'm just testing, just testing. (laughs) So you do know what I'm talking about. A shoe stretcher. My grandmother had one of these, especially if you're listening in on the podcast or you can't see the image there. A shoe stretcher was there, so you could obviously stretch shoes. You would wet the shoe and you would dial this in and it would just stretch the shoe out in case it was hurting you in certain areas. Or if you're like me, I've got extra wide feet. It's great for all of your shoes. Why are we looking at this this morning? Next three weeks, we're going to apply a shoe stretcher to your, sh- your soul. Hmm, you can tell. Yeah, oh. Some of you are going, great, I'm not coming back next week. We're going to, for the next three weeks, we're, we're going to talk about something that you think that you know how to do. I'm going to teach you to do something that you think you already know how to do, but you don't do. I'm going to teach you how to live beyond yourself. I'm going to teach you how to be generous. We're going to learn how to be generous. And uh, it's biblical. Uh, Paul, to Timothy, applied a shoe stretcher to the soul of his church that he was stewarding when Paul said, Timothy, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. It was a shoe stretcher in here. Because if you're anything like me, the minute you hear this, I know how your brains are thinking. You're like, I, but, you, but, but you know, don't tell me I'm not there. I am generous. You know, you do, I, I, don't you know what I did? Don't you know what I've done? But I, I am generous. And have you ever noticed, have you ever noticed when someone tells you that you don't do something, your mind always goes back to the very time that you actually did do something? Why, that happens to me all the time. And Kristen says, you didn't stack the dishwasher. And I'm like, of course I stacked the dishwasher. I stacked the dishwasher back that time, remember in 2014. You know, <laughs> I think for us, we treat generosity the same way. Hey, you know, Sam, don't, but hang on, don't you know that things are tight? Don't you, don't you, haven't you heard about the cost of living? Uh, Sam, don't, don't you understand I'm maxed out with my time at the moment? Sam, don't you know I already think about these things? Don't you remember the time that I gave back then to the capital campaign in 1976? Like, I've been a part of all of these different ways that I've exhibited generosity. And I think what the Lord wants to say to us today is that generosity is one area of our life that if we apply the shoe stretcher, God's desire for our life, is to insert the shoe stretcher into our souls and and build us and stretch us into people of ever greater generosity. So you up for that? You you okay with that? That's 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 the bad news. We're going to get into some of the 
the, the good news. <laughs> but uh, look, I think part of the reason why we already think that we're generous is that we define ourselves by these random acts of goodness. You know, I gave to the campaign, I invested in that capital, I increased my giving that time. And look, you did, and I'm not saying that you didn't, and I'm, I, I champion that. And I go, that, that is wonderful. But notice how Paul says it, it's the difference between doing generosity and being generous. Paul says, command them to be generous. And there is a difference between doing generosity and being generous. And you guys know this, right? Because you know the people in your life that are generous. You can start thinking about them now. Like the people in your life that are generous, like there's a fragrance about them, isn't there? There is a beauty about them. There's an attractiveness about them. Like you just want to be around those sorts of people. And if you're anything like me, I see those sorts of people in my life and I'm like, how do I get to be that sort of person? And the good news is we're going to learn how to do that today. <laughs> we're going to work that through. Because here's the thing. Everybody gives. I'm not denying that. But not everyone is generous. There's a big difference. Everyone gives, not everyone's generous. So for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about specifically about generosity and how to be generous. Like Now, look, side note, cut the podcast, church chat, family chat. Um, let's just call a spade a spade. If, if you're a part of the Northside family here, so if you're a guest, you can tune out for 30 seconds. But if you're part of the Northside family, you would have received an email if you're a regular or a member of this church and seeing all the church's numbers and updates and finance updates and all of that sort of stuff. And can I just be totally upfront with where I and the elders come from all of this? We wanted to front load that because we are not wanting in this message series um, to manipulate or conjole or inspire you to give. Because everyone gives, but not everyone is generous. Our heart is that we want to use this opportunity as we talk about the numbers, unashamedly, to build a culture of generosity. And what you will find whenever you look back at the church over the years, it was generosity that changed history. And in fact, what you'll find when we talk about generosity is that is that generosity often transcends guilt and inspiration. <laughs> so what we don't want to do is have a series where, you know, we're going we're gonna to finish the message today. You could just relax. What we're not going to do is like finish the message and dull the lights, cue the band on, on a 6-8 song, so we'll just kind of start to sway and get a bit emotional. Sam will get up with the microphone and, and I will just massage you. In. That's not happening today, so rest easy. Look at all the shoulders just drop. A few... We're not taking up a special offering today, nor are we handing out snazzy special brochures about all the great things that we want to do as a church today, because we want to call you to be generous, we don't want to call you to give. We want to teach you to be generous. I want to learn how to be generous, I don't want to be called to give, because genuine generosity transcends guilt and inspiration. Have you noticed that? If you're those genuinely generous people and if you've seen them in, in your life, you know that a genuinely generous person, they transcend inspiration and guilt because they've already moved beyond that. A, a genuinely generous person um, doesn't respond to inspirational guilt in the same way that everyone else does because they've already moved beyond that. I want to be that sort of person. And in fact, as I said, you know, throughout history, question for you, class, what do you think it was about the early church that caused their cause for the Christian church to rip through the countryside and explode throughout the world. 
Of course, there's the power of the Holy Spirit, but accompanied with the Spirit of God were these lives that were lived out of radical generosity. These were people that lived beyond themselves. When the watching world looked on, they saw their lives and went, this is amazing. This is different. This is incredible. This is wonderful. Like, who are these people? And you know what was driving them? It wasn't guilt and it wasn't inspiration. You see their lives in three particular ways manifested in the fact that they gave generously, they lived generously and served generously, and they loved generously. People saw that and said, I want to be like that. I want to be part of them. (laughs) And so we know this because about 20 or 30 years after uh, John the Apostle died, uh, we know this because we have this very ancient document, it's called the Epistle to Diognetus, and um, Diognetus was a non-Christian, and someone wrote to him, explaining Christianity to him, and this is a paraphrase, but it says, it says this, let me tell you why Christianity is spreading so fast. Christians busy themselves on earth, but their citizenship is in heaven. They live in their own native lands, but they live as aliens. For every foreign country is to them as their native land, and every native land is their foreign country. They marry and have children, but they don't kill unwanted babies. They share the table with everyone, but they don't share their bed with everyone. They love everyone, but are persecuted by all. They are poor and make many rich. They are short of everything and yet have plenty of everything. They are treated outrageously, but behave respectfully. What is that? That is people living beyond themselves. People living out of generosity. Now, you and I know this. Here's the problem with generosity, right? It doesn't come naturally. Any of you that have children and get to see the way that our blessed little ones grow up, generosity is not a natural thing. It's something that has to be learnt. Individually, we know this. You know this and sense this because we feel it and we cling on to our stuff and uh, we end up in sermons about generosity and we start thinking of all the times that I have to turn up to that church, this is when they're talking about that stuff, right? It's individually we feel it, but culturally we feel it. I call it the L'Oreal principle. You have heard me say this before, it's the L'Oreal principle. All of culture screams at you and says, buy it because you're worth it, right? You're worth it. And you've heard me say that this culture that says, well, just do it and buy it because you're worth it, that's greed. Greed is always the assumption of consumption. I've earned it. I worked for it. I'm worth it. Right? So we're up against it. It doesn't come naturally. But I want to show you a dynamic as to why Christians give. Why Christians give. Give of their time, of their talent, of their money. Why do Christians give? And I want to show you a story uh, way back into the Old Testament a time in which they are fundraising. It's a fundraising initiative for the building of the first temple. I'm sure David there had pull-up banners out the front. He had snazzy lights ready to go. He had little um, giving cards ready for his congregation and all the rest of it. But the the most remarkable thing about David in uh, what he was doing here in the temple is that David calls his people to build the temple and to fundraise for God, and he contributes the modern-day equivalent of $45 billion worth of his own money. At least that's what the commentators say. So if you want to fact-check me, fact-check the commentators. In other words, it's a huge inordinate sum of money that he goes, goes in. And then we see the principles out of these two verses we're looking at today that will teach us why Christians give in the first place. The first one was from Paul, and he says, command the rich to be, in this present world, not to be arrogant 
in order to put their hope in wealth, command the rich in this present world. First, first thing in that, the first way we react to that is that we go, hang on, but I'm not rich. Haven't you seen everyone else here? Uh, let's just be real. Like, um, anyone drive here today in their car? Yep. If we drive here today, just letting you know by the stats, that puts you in the top 1% of the richest people in the world. So, command those who are sitting in the auditorium at Northside in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, duh, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us, underline that, with everything for our enjoyment. Do that. Apply the shoehorn. Then we get to this story from David as he's fundraising for the temple. Gets all the money together. It's all there pulled up and he says, yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. Now, our God, we give you thanks and we praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? For everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand. Why do Christians give? Two key principles out of this. We see God's provision and we see our purpose in all of this. This is what we'll look at the first for, uh, this morning. The first thing we see first and foremost is Christians give because they dare to see and declare that it all comes from God anyway. When we see this passage, we see God saying, what did you ever do to earn it? In fact, it reminds me of a little parable called the dead cat principle. Which before you groan, I'm not going to tell it again. It's fine. I've told it that many times in church now at Northside that I'm sure some of you could come up this morning and tell the dead cat principle. Uh, right? Amen? Okay, I'll just finish off with it. This is how we think, ah, yes, my life. Hard work and a sound strategic vision. That's the secret to my success. But a Christian says, no, all of this has come from God in the first place. God says, all of this is from me. God says, you earned it with what? You've earned it breathing the air that I've given you. You've earned it with the connections that I've ordained for you in the corporate world or your world. You've earned it through all the different ways that I've brought together the circumstances in your life. All of this is from me. And then the fact that you've been born today instead of like 1,200 years ago on the side of a mountain in Tibet somewhere, God says, that's from me. God says the fact that you're in this place, the fact that you have your mind, the fact that you have your emotions, the fact that you have your experience, the fact that you have been placed where you are, he says, that's from me. Hello? All of it's from me. All of it is an act of my grace. And he says, so all of this is from me. So all I'm kind of asking is, do you mind if you just give me a little bit of it? He hasn't asked for all of it. He doesn't want it all back. He says... I've given it all to you. Could, could I just have a, could I have a little bit of it? It's all from me. A Christian gives because they realize that everything that we have been provided with is an act of God's grace. Paul says it so well in 1 Corinthians 4 verse 7 where he says, What do you have that is not a gift? It's all from God. He says, all of this is from me, so can I have it a little bit back? Does that sound like a good deal, class? 
it's all from me, I'll just, I'll just have a little bit. Now, now, some of you, like if you don't think it's a good deal, some of you have been on the other side of that, certainly as parents, you know, with parents, you go to a shop, look at the snazziest new Nintendo Switch, you go, you go and have a look at the Switch, you've been saving up to get it for the kids for Christmas, you bring it home, finally work out how to plug the HDMI into your TV, you spend about five hours getting all the updates to work through your internet and all the rest of it, you get the kids playing it, they play it for about an hour and you wander into the room and you say, kids, do you mind if I have a little go? And they say to you, no, it's mine. I'm like, (laughs) who bought you the thing, kid? (laughs) A Christian, and the Christian life in generosity, is just trying to wrestle our hands off the controller. Trying to wrestle our hands off the fact that we have to just stop and say, well, it's not manipulative, it's reasonable. You gave it to me, here you go. Sound like a good deal? It is for me, but then I think if, if you're anything like me, like, why is it so difficult to let go of our stuff? We talked about this the other week in Living Open-Handed. Why is it that we're so prone to, to clinging on to the minute stuff that we have anyway? Um, and if it's all come from God anyway, and if He's asking us a good deal to just give a little bit back to Him, then why is it, why is it so difficult? Anyone ever feel that? Because like, here's the reality. I know you, and I know that you know. This is not an information-gathering exercise for us. Our, our wrestle over the next couple of weeks is not new information. It's not, it's not like basically any of you came in here this morning and said, oh my goodness, Sam, what, a, what an incredible revelation that I've had this morning that I'm, I'm here to give a little bit back to God. I, like, all of you understand that you understand the reality of what we're dealing with here. It's not that we know, it's how do we do. Part of the reason I think it's so difficult Let's be real, is that money has the power to blind us. Especially when we're talking about giving of our money. Of course, next week we'll talk about time and talents because people hear this and go, is this just going to be all about money? No. Generosity is not just about money, but money is a big component of it. In fact, money is a great litmus test in our generosity because of the power that money has over us. And the reason that money has such a power to blind us to its presence and power in our lives is because it's the power of er. Have you noticed that there's always an er in your life? That there's always someone who's an er? Someone's either like better, you know, or happier, or richer, or wealthier. And so the, the power of money resides in the er. I call it demographic stratification. And I don't know if you experience this living in the lower North Shore of Sydney, uh, but I live in a complex. When I walk, when I drive into my, my complex, like everyone has the snazziest looking vehicles you've ever seen. You know, ev- everyone's driving all sorts of amazing things and everyone's got all sorts of different gadgets. And so we get prone to the fact that we think, you know, I'm just, I'm living povo here, man. <laughs> I don't drive a Mercedes, you know? And then probably, you know, ironically, if you drive a Mercedes, you're going, I don't drive a Ferrari. (laughs) It's what I call demographic stratification, right? If we transposed ourselves, you know, way out into some aspects of Western Sydney, we would leave places going, thank you, Lord, for all that you've brought into our hands. So I think we have to call this out and say, okay, there is a blindedness that we get because there's always an er in our life. Someone is always rich er. And we use that as a basis to justify, Lord, I was really intending to do good for you, but they're richer. Go and speak to them. (laughs) Work it out with them. (laughs) We'll talk about that next week. right, so there's a spiritual power over us, and that can get broken uh, by my second point this morning. 
Just a two-point message, 33% off this morning. Just a two-pointer. Not only do we see God's purpose, God's provision in our life, uh, that everything comes from Him anyway, but the more wonderful and exciting thing about this church is our purpose in all of this. God only blesses you in order to be a blessing. God only provides this to you, so you might have the opportunity to provide this into someone else's life. And when you do that, you find a joy in doing all of that. And this is my hope for us, that we wouldn't feel compelled, or we wouldn't feel guilty, or we wouldn't feel begrudging in the way that we give away of our things. But hopefully, that we would move to a point where we discover the joy of what it means to bless other people's lives. And you see this in the greater purpose of the temple here, back in uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 8, it said, anyone, so that's the whole people of God, who had precious stones, gave them to the treasury of the temple of the Lord in the custody of Jehiel the Gershonite. And when you read that, you, you start, you're starting to think, common Sam, is this about where you're just going to argue to get everything into the Northside coffers? Absolutely not. In fact, if you've heard me preach generosity before, you should not be giving everything that you give away to Northside. You should be finding places to give and to bless people with beyond our church. Uh, but the reality here is, why would they give to the treasury? What was so significant about the treasury? And here it is. The treasury of the temple was the poverty-breaking machine of the old world. When people gave into the treasury, the treasury was the center link of Jerusalem. That's how the poor were fed. That's how well people were blessed. And so what we see is it costs, of course, it costs money in order to go on the mission of God, to make God tangibly known to people in the world. People, and this is the exciting bit, when they gave of their gemstones, they were participating in the breaking in of God's goodness into the world and the reversal of poverty and all the rest of the bad things that were happening in society at that time. And as a result, people as they gave got taken up into a purpose that was beyond themselves. You are only ever blessed in order to be a blessing. And guys, don't, don't you find that? Like that, that if, there is, if there is only ever your needs and your agendas and your things to live for, have you ever found this in people? They don't get bigger. They get smaller. They shrivel up. <laughs> they live for them. There's no greatness. There's no weight in us, right? And I kind of want to live a life that is beyond myself because I just love the fact that I, I, I wake up of a morning and we're part of something here that's beyond me. It's beyond us this morning. And when, when we give into the work of God, it gives us a purpose that we take out into our everyday world. That, by the way, might be a revelation for some of you this morning. That's a good revelation. Some of you, in the smallest of way, don't have to live for yourself this morning. You get to go on a great adventure. You thought all of those big movies, whether it was, you know, like Back to the Future and Star Wars and The Last Starfighter and all that stuff that that, that inner child in you wants to be part of a great picture and a great story, Wizard of Oz, I don't know, just for the generations. <laughs> Alice in Wonderland, come on, there's something within us that wants to be part of something beyond us. And that's God's invitation to you this morning is that He invites you through the act of stretching the soul into greater levels of generosity. He wants to turn you into the sort of person that lives beyond themselves and you live with a purpose that is fun and experimental. I said the other week, Christianity doesn't have to be dirgy and sorrowful. 
could be fun. But here's the thing as we go, learning to be generous, I think, at least from my own experience, can be both the most exciting, but also the most terrifying thing that you can do. And I know for some of us, it would be terrifying. Because for some of us, absolutely, it feels like that if you were to take any further step forward in what you were doing, you'd say, Lord, I think I'm going to break. I don't think I can do it. And this is what you've got to wrestle through with yourself this morning. I'm not sure about this, Lord. This is why it's not up to my words. But let let me leave you with this. You know, why, why don't we take that step forward and why is it that we look at people's lives, you know those sorts of Christians that do all this amazing stuff for God and then it seems crazy because it's like they tell you about how they took this crazy step of faith, you know, like they gave away a bunch of money or they just served their time in a certain way and then the next minute, you know, there's an envelope from God that's just replaced the money they've ever given away. Has anyone ever heard those sorts of stories, right? I hear those sorts of stories and I'm like, Lord, that never happens to me. <laughs> I think I've got to be real with you is that it's because there's still some growing for me to do as your pastor in this process, as we each learn together to be grown in generosity. And there was a, a, a newcomer to Northside that's been hanging out with us at, at Super Connect, and they nailed it as to why we don't end up becoming those sorts of people. He said a fascinating phrase. He said, faithfulness begets faithfulness. Faithfulness begets faithfulness. And here's the dynamic, is that he, he realized that what happens with these sorts of people is that they hear this talk on generosity and they, they take this, this scary, scary faith-filled step. They move forward and when they move forward and see the way that God moves and works in their lives, and can I say a side note here, this is not the preaching bit where I say if you just take a big step forward and if you just give God $100 worth of your money this morning, He's going to make it 1000 That is not the messaging that we're saying this morning. It's when they say they take a scary step forward in faith to say, Lord, here's what I can give. Here's what I'm going to give to you. It's come from you anyway, but I'm going to place it in your hands. Let's go experimenting together. And there lies the genesis of the crazy story. And when they see God move that way, God's faithfulness begets faithfulness. They start stepping out even more. You know why? Because they become fearless. Because they're like, well, the last time I took this step of faith, God just showed up. So I'm going to take another step. And I'm going to take another step and another step. And faithfulness begets faithfulness. And then he said this. (laughs) Then he said, yeah, but I don't take the steps. I said, why not? He's like, oh, I'm always constricted by my own fear and anxiety. And I thought, amen. He just spoke on behalf of 99% of this room. (laughs) We talked about it the other week. We should be far more afraid of living the sort of life where we keep our hands closed to the activity of God than losing what we have in them. Because we know the stories and we see the way that God continues to provide for those types of people where faithfulness begets faithfulness. So, um, this morning, I'm not going to call you to give. Relax. I am just have inserted a shoe stretcher into your soul. Such a fine image, that, isn't it? <laughs> all right. And all I've started to do, and we will do for three weeks, is I've just gone... Okay? Just a little, just a little stretch to understand why it is that we give in the first place. Maybe it is revelation for you to see that everything that you have comes from God's hand. And maybe giving back to Him is not something that I need to do out of guilt or compulsion. It's just logical. But this morning, I want us to know and see 
that God can and does work when we open up our lives and prepare to live that little bit more generously. Every little loss, and here's the paradox, every little loss that you incur in that moment won't make you smaller, it will make you bigger. You won't become less, you'll become more. And you'll know this because you've seen it in the lives of people who live like this. Everyone gives, but not everyone is generous. Giving is emotional, generosity is learnt. <laughs> Giving is sporadic, generosity is a lifestyle. We're going to talk about that more next week, let's pray. Father, we just stop this morning as your people to say, who are we as a people to give as generously as this? Because everything comes from your hand. So, Father, as we have given this morning and as we have given over the years and the ways that you have stretched us and the ways that we have experienced just the wonder of living lives beyond ourselves, Father, I pray for every single person in this room that there would be the courage to just live a little bit more open-handedly this morning, that in these coming weeks, Lord, you would reveal to each of us the ways in which you want to grow us, the places and the spaces of our soul that you want to stretch us. We commit this time to you now, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.